Welcome to Live Life Loud, the Decibolic Podcast, encouraging you to take hold of your dreams and pursue your passions. From behind the scenes to center stage, travel through the United States and Ontario, Canada, sharing the best places to see, stay, and dine. We'll have interviews with people rocking from their own backyard to performing on world tours, bringing inspiration for you to live life loud. And welcome to Live Life Loud, the Decibolic Podcast, your podcast for insight and inspiration from life on the road, and a peek inside the Guitar Grotto. In a couple of previous episodes, I've discussed two pieces in particular that I have been using since near the beginning of the show in order to record it and make everything happen with both the podcast and the music that I put into it. And on this episode, we are going to revisit two of those parts, the Motu M4, the Shure MV7, and the software that comes with. But first, it's time for... When Insults Had Class. Hailing to you from a glorious age long ago, before the word insult had been boiled down to nothing more than four-letter words. Have you ever found yourself at a party regaled to be one of the finest? Or at some smooth jam that was considered to be, as the kids would say, dope? Well, I'm sure that you have been one place or another invited, only to wish that you had not. Yet somehow you had to give an explanation at the end of how the evening was for you. Comedian, actor, and all-around American guy, Groucho Marx can help you with this. Julius Henry Groucho Marx was an American actor, writer, stage, film, radio, and television star. He is generally considered to have been a master of the quick wit and one of America's greatest comedians. Making 13 feature films as a team with his siblings, the Marx brothers, of whom he was the third born. He summed it up best when he once said, I had a perfectly wonderful evening, but I'm afraid This wasn't it. So the next time you find yourself in a situation where the evening is tedious and drawn out way too far, and you've said goodbye more than twice, remember those words, and may Groucho be with you. And this concludes today's lesson of When Insults Had Class. For today's episode of Gearing Here, we're going to go back and look at a couple of pieces I introduced you to early on in the podcast. The Motu M4 digital audio interface and the Shure MV7. The world was a slightly different place and I was very excited and in what you would call a honeymoon phase with this equipment when I first received it and put it to use in my studio. Let's see where we're at 10 months later. We'll go in the order with which I received the product, the first being the Motu M4. For all of what the Motu M4 has and offers, I really could have pared back and simply worked with the M2 variation. The extra inputs on back, the line ins, channels 3 and 4, I really haven't made much use of as I do not have anything permanently hooked up 
to that part. Originally, I was going to have my Line 6 HX effects plugged in there, but honestly, I wasn't very satisfied with how the HX effects was working for me, and it has since been sold. Anything I found myself really needing to do with the Motu M4 is easily accomplished using an M2, though to be fair, you never know what the next few months might bring, and I might finally find the perfect piece to add in to the M4. Now, the M4 also boasts having four audio outputs, which it does, but again, it is not very easy to use the final two outputs of this device. Channels three and four are direct outs from the unit with no volume control over them whatsoever. I have set up the matrices inside of my MacBooks so that the sound level for three and four coming in is padded so that when I use channels three and four, it doesn't blow out my eardrums or make anything else fall off the walls in this studio. Bang! The sound. I have yet to find anything that has preamps as good or better than the M4 in the sub $250 or even the sub $400 price range. It also has an excellent headphone out. I've used it with a variety of sets of headphones all at different ohm output levels or impedances and every set sounds perfect and crystal clear. One feature the M4 does have that is not present on the M2 is that input monitor mix. Rather than just being a summed set of the two that's on or off, I do have control of how much playback I want happening at the same time I am listening to an input coming into the unit. Motu, Mark of the Unicorn, makes great hardware. Rock solid hardware. This stuff is bulletproof, travels easily, works very well, and having the USB-C allows me to power it from a powered USB hub and use it with an iPad or device that doesn't provide power out to it via USB. The struggle with these devices have been the software. First, Motu has designed a great driver available for Windows and Mac. And that driver gives you what's called a loopback feature, which allows you to record snippets off of the internet. So if you have a little sound bite it's very easy to capture using the M2 or the M4. The downside is that until mid-March, it did not work with the Mac OS Big Sur. When I received my newer MacBook Pro, I had to step it back to a previous edition of the operating system in order to retain the loopback feature. And shortly after they finally did update so that that was usable in Big Sur, I made a mistake. I re-updated that 2014 MacBook Pro to the big Sewer OS. Why was that an issue? Well, I'm glad you asked. Though the driver works great on big Sewer and on the new Mac OS and my MacBook system, it doesn't work with the software provided with the Mo2, M2, and M4. That came in the form of Performer Lite. Performer Lite is a specialized stripped-back version of the digital performer software. It's a system that is very easy to use. For me, the Performer Lite software is perfect for what I'm doing and the limited number of tracks that I need in creating music. 
they have made a new version of Digital Performer going from 10 to 11. Yes, Motu has gone to 11 with the new Digital Performer. However, they have not updated the core of the Performer Lite program, so currently it does not work on the Big Sewer operating system. In fact, if I try to pull it up on that Mac, I'm greeted with the name Performer Lite and a blank screen. If you already have a digital audio workstation that you're using, be it Audacity, GarageBand, Pro Tools, or even Studio One by Personas, the Motu M4 and M2 will work great for you. If you're planning to use the bundled software that came with and you have a newer computer, you can forget about it. They do give you Ableton Live Lite, but that is not an ideal program when it comes to editing either music or a podcast like this. I have to downgrade the Motu M4 to a three and a half star until they get the software right again. MV7. I have come to know, learn, and love the limitations provided for being a hybrid mic that you can use with either a traditional microphone connection or USB. It is still the mic to beat. In fact, for most of what you hear in the upcoming editions of Travel Time, when I'm recording with my daughter, Serena, we use the MV7 with a cable that connects to standard USB coming from the MV7 into a camera adapter that changes it over to the lightning connection for use with my iPad mini. I'm happy to say when I need a smaller setup out in the field, this works great. No additional power supply is needed. I can plug the MV7 right into the iPad and record both of us. Now I will say it wasn't without its headaches. For the first eight months, the Motive software for the iOS could record audio from the MV7, but I could not use any of the features like setting the volume level, which meant if I had it at a weird setting because I was testing something out and I plugged it into the iPad, that weird setting remained and I was stuck with a very odd sounding recording that I basically would have to come back and redo down here in the Guitar Grotto. Thankfully, those days are past. I did not have to shell out the extra $25 for a short 15-inch cord from Shure to make the microphone work with the iPad, a connector that I had here at home, along with a generic camera kit item that I bought off of Amazon. So I have a total of maybe $15 into the cable. It's a longer cable, and it works perfectly for capturing the recordings that I need. The MV7 is definitely no SM7B. It's a great sounding mic, but I found it is very easy to overdrive it with my own natural voice, given the right circumstance and the amount of caffeine I've had that day. While I'm still very happy to be using the MV7 for the bulk of what I'm doing, I'm looking forward to one of those sweet 48-month financing deals when I can pick up an SM7B and only pay 7 bucks a month for it. Now that I've used the MV7 by Sure for 10 months, I can give it a solid 4-star rating out of 5. In our next episode of Gear In Here, I'll go over one of my secret weapons in the studio. It's made by a company called ART, short for Applied Research and Technology. And that is their small project series device, the SCC Studio Control Center. Our trip to Mackinac Island included a rather long road adventure back and forth. Smarter heads prevailed, 
and we decided to spend the night in Mackinac City prior to getting to the island. This gave us a little relief from the road and also gave us plenty of time the next day to tour as much of the island as we wanted to see before heading back home. Loading everything to the gills in our nice little 2010 Prius, we set out on the road. Making our way through a couple of small cities for just some stops and leg stretches along the way proved to be a good thing to do, especially coming from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Once in Mackinac City, it was pretty easy to find our nautical-themed Ramada Inn we were staying at. It was a great spot as we were literally two minutes away from the ferry ride we were taking the next morning. They had a nice little pool, but it smelled like it was chlorine to the hilt, so we opted not to go there. The Ramada Inn may not be the most expensive hotel in Mackinac City. It was probably one of the most affordable places that I found when looking for somewhere to stay. We ended up with a nice room on the second floor that had a decent look out the window, complete with a sliding door patio. It was exceptional, especially given the fact that we spent less than half the price at any hotel that would have been considered to be upscale from what this was. Overall, for the money, we felt that you really couldn't go wrong if you were staying just for one night. However, if you're going to stay longer in Mackinac City, it might be worth it to pay a little extra. After settling into our room and then headed back out in search of dinner, we ended up finding the Dixie Saloon, an all-American fare with some twists. After the four of us enjoyed a nice little meal at the Dixie Saloon, we then set out to grab some ice cream and tour some of the shops in Mackinac City. What were some of the shops you really enjoyed looking through? I really liked Enchanted Night. It had statues of dragons and fairies and it had a really cool chessboard set it had cool swords and shields too they even had replicas from the zelda video game in addition to this unique shop and a geek oriented shop across the road with a tardis changing room that's right a doctor who tardis changing room there was also plenty of places where you could find mackinac island themed apparel the best of these being the Mackinac Island Outfitters, a huge building right on the corner of this city area. The next morning, we started off our day right by heading over to the Darrow's Family Restaurant. This restaurant has been around for more years than I can remember and was just as good as I remember it being. They did everything right, and the server kept our coffee cups fresh and filled. I had blueberry pancakes and hot cocoa. It was good. In addition to breakfast, they also do some great sandwiches as well. So be sure to look up Darrow's, either before you leave for the island or when you return. And with that, we were on our way to the island. We took the Starline Ferry. It was my first time going to the island. The boat ride was really fun. We got to tour underneath the Mackinac Bridge. After our ferry ride, we arrived safely at the Mackinac Island. The experience with Starline Ferry was also very good. You had your choice of being on a lower deck toward the back of the ferry, or you could be right up on top and see everything. And in case you just didn't want that much wind in your face, there was also a nice enclosed area where you could sit down. We took advantage of this as we had a nice table for the four of us to sit at in between, rather than just sitting in the bucket-style seats. Once we got to the island, we found a nice little carriage ride. It took us all around the island, and it gave us plenty of information about it. It was about an hour-long tour. And on this tour, it made one stop halfway through and another stop a little bit later. 
The first stop was at a former stables, which was great because by then everybody needed the chance to use the restroom. We didn't have any kind of a timed stay. We could get on the next part of our journey whenever we wanted after visiting the shops here and one more very interesting place. We got to see the Wings of Mackinac, which is a butterfly sanctuary. And how many different butterflies would you say there were? Maybe a dozen, a couple dozen? I'm not sure, but there were over a hundred butterflies in the sanctuary. When you head over to decibolic.com, click on Travel Time, and look for the section Mackinac Island. Once there, you'll get to see pictures from not only the Wings of Mackinac, but our entire trip. Let's go on. After taking a moment at the Wings of Mackinac and boarding our next trip, we actually got to be on with a couple of horses that moved a little bit faster. This brought us past the Grand Hotel, which we would return to later, and we also got to stop and see a very beautiful overlook scenic area. Our final stop before the end was at Artrock. For those of you thinking about going to Mackinac Island anytime in the future, I'd recommend you do so sooner than later. Artrock has been slowly deteriorating over the last hundred years. Though they've done their best to add in steel supports to keep the arch alive, it is estimated that sometime in the next five to ten years, this arch will no longer be around for people to enjoy. We have some beautiful pictures for you to see, though, just in case you live where making it to Mackinac Island might not be as easy for you. While we were there at Arch Rock, you got to do something pretty cool. I got to pet the horses that were carrying the carriage. One of them had straight fur, one of them had wavy fur, and one of them had curly fur. At the end of our carriage ride, we got dropped off at a very special place and took a nice little foot tour of it. We toured Fort Mackinac. Had this presentation where they showed a video about one of the wars that happened and in more information about the fur trade. Overall, an incredible job has been done to keep up this section of Mackinac Island. The fort is as beautiful and as robust as I remember, but one thing I didn't remember from days gone by when I was younger was there being a nice little eatery right off the side of one of the walls. I remember having a very nice wrapped salad sandwich, and my two daughters tried a pizza that was a little different than the typical fare. It was in the shape of an oval, and it was like a traditional Italian pizza. This eatery is known as the Fort Mackinac Tea Room Restaurant, and the pizza that my daughter braved was known as a flatbread pizza on the menu. Fresh mozzarella, San Marzano tomato, garlic, and even a generous amount of basil. After leaving Fort Mackinac, our journey continued on to another historic location here on the island. We got to visit the Grand Hotel. Even though the hotel is a place where people stay, if you want to visit, you do have to pick up tickets to be able to enter the facility. What were some of the more outstanding parts that you remember or you can recall of being inside the Grand Hotel? They had an amazing place where you could get ice cream, and the floors and chairs were very unique. There were lots of stairs. Too many stairs. The view from the Grand Hotel is absolutely amazing. Getting to look out on the island from the Grand Porch. The Grand Hotel's porch is one of the largest open-facing porches in the entire world. Beautiful breeze came through at the time, and you could look down and see the gardens below. Just a spectacular way to unwind after a lot of walking and stairs. 
And the stop for ice cream we talked about was Sadie's Ice Cream Parlor. They had over 30 flavors to choose from, which you could mix and match. Very retro 50s diner type look inside, that kind of vibe going on with the music. And it was the most popular place to be when we were on the island. Serena, thanks for being my guest today on Travel Time. I look forward to talking with you again as we discuss our trip to the Mall of America and back. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Live Life Loud, the Decibolic Podcast. We hope you'll join us again, and be sure to let your friends and family know about us. To find out more, visit decibolic.com and sign up for our Louder Life newsletter. The views and opinions expressed during this episode are those of our guest and host alone. Remember, wherever the road takes you, live life loud. loud.